This is Valley Edition. I'm Kathleen Schock. Since 1989, October has been designated as Domestic Violence Awareness Month. But misperceptions about domestic violence continue to permeate our culture. To learn more, I spoke with Tracy Salisbury, Assistant Professor of Interdisciplinary and Ethnic Studies at California State University, Bakersfield. So I feel like there's a gap between what the, let's say, quote unquote, average person thinks domestic violence is or what it looks like compared to what it actually is. And because of that disconnect, it can make it difficult for those who are experiencing intimate partner violence to recognize it for what it is. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about that. Um, I think that's an excellent way to start. I do think that's very true. I think that instead of saying uh, domestic violence was kind of a horror movie word, um, let's say domestic abuse. So people understand that this runs the gamut of um, abusive language, not allowing an adult to make decisions in what should be an equal relationship. Stalking is domestic abuse. Harassment is domestic abuse. I think when we hear people say domestic violence, they're actually looking for physical violence all the time. This is something, uh, domestic abuse or domestic violence is something that frightens, intimidates, meant to manipulate, to control. Um, It is a very broad idea that it can happen to anyone. It's not just women. Men are abused. Um, Children are abused. Uh, We need to be more honest about how prevalent this is in our society in order to deal with it. In talking about domestic abuse that is not physical in nature, can you talk about some of the challenges in accessing help or or seeking uh, resources to get out of those situations, how much more difficult is it when it is not necessarily physical abuse? Well, I'll use a term like gaslighting, is letting someone believe something is not what it is. As human beings, we all want to be loved, we all want to be touched, and we have a way of justifying something that we know is abusive, that we would not tolerate from a stranger, but we tolerate it from a loved one. And that is, you know, I will never hurt you again. I will never speak to you in that fashion again. Um, I I will consult with you and then this doesn't happen. And so the person who is being abused takes it upon the burden upon themselves to say, well, I, I could do better or I won't raise my voice or I won't argue with that person. And then what you end up is, is in a situation where you are being controlled and then, the, and then when you wake up to that, you either don't like the control or the control is something too hard to live with that you can't get out of it. And, uh, you know, I would say, even though physical abuse is still a problem, this kind of, of mental abuse, this kind of social control, it's hard to prove. It's hard to give evidence of. Um, you know, most abusers are, are very well versed into what situations they can get away with it in when we get home, you know, or you can use somebody on the way somewhere to get them to behave. And so when you have people publicly behave a way that says, oh, there's nothing wrong, but at home privately, there's something very wrong. It creates a very difficult situation to get out of it. You know, it seems to me that the pandemic probably exacerbated that for many people, creating conditions that made it even more difficult to leave an abusive situation. Most certainly, because of course, resources are stretched to the max during the pandemic. 
there are, you know, we're requiring on law enforcement and uh, mental health agencies um, are now dealing with a multitude of issues and domestic violence cases are like sexual assault cases. They get low on the totem pole because it's oftentimes a he said, she said, or she said, she said situation. Um, these are very difficult cases to prosecute because people change their minds. People, adults are embarrassed. So this, it becomes a deeper challenge. I'm highly concerned about what's occurred during the pandemic on underreporting right now. Um, people probably not telling, people interacting in very small spaces. We're also in a very volatile state as a country on multitude issues. And when a people are together, this is the breeding ground for this kind of domestic abuse. Earlier, you mentioned that this is not gender specific, that this is not, that women are not the only victims of, of domestic abuse or, or domestic uh, violence. Can you speak more about um, how this kind of abuse plays out in different populations? Well, we have to bring intersectionality into this. You know, people want these kind of cases to be, oh, it's because you're in poverty or this is minority populations. These are people who are not married. And that could, that's, uh, could be nothing further than the truth. Uh, domestic violence affects people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and all education levels. The greatest concern is how domestic violence is manifesting itself in high school teenagers and college students. Um, that these are very early relationships um, to be exposed to this kind of behavior, which leads to trends if you don't get help that may continue into what we call mature adulthood. Um, these are things that if you are violent towards your partner, if you're violent towards your spouse, the likelihood is you're gonna be violent towards your children. Um, you know, uh, uh, we are in a baby boomer generation where highly stressed adults are looking after elderly parents. And, you know, can you imagine on both sides being in a situation where you're in a stressful relationship with an elderly parent and a stressful relationship with an abusive partner? I mean, I, I don't know what the exit, you know, the off ramp is to that. Um, LGBT communities have a large domestic violence problem. I mean, when you're talking statistics, you're talking about one in four women, one in seven men will experience some kind of physical violence. Uh, in their lifetime, that is an extremely high number. So certainly there is a conversation around domestic violence today that wasn't there when I was growing up. We're, we're talking about it more. We're acknowledging it as part of our society in a way that we were not, let's say, 10, 20 years ago. Do you see that as a sign that things are moving in the right direction or not? I think talking and making things public is always moving in the right direction. My concern is, is what is the public reaction to abuse? Have we become so indoctrinated and comfortable with abuse that we don't view it as intolerable or that we don't view it as something that should be punishable? I mean, if you look at R. Kelly's case was more than sexual violence. He was terrorizing these women in his thing. And this went on for nearly 25 years. Um, if you look at, um, there was a recent assault on a public subway train where no one intervened. They actually raised up their cameras and recorded it. 
Uh, we record violence against one another. Um, we're getting into a point that talking may not be enough is that do we have enough agencies and resources and spaces to tackle this issue? If we look at a national case like Gabby Pito's, where in my opinion, um, there was a domestic violence issue here that needed to be handled immediately and ended this trip. But police and family and friends allowed this trip to go on and a young lady ends up dead. It's looking like maybe possibly this young man is dead as well. This was not handled in a way that was best for the individuals involved. It was still handled with kid gloves. So I think we have a crisis. I think we need to view it as a crisis. We need further legislation. We need more resources. We need better trained law enforcement to deal with these issues. So in light of the statistics you shared, undoubtedly somebody who's listening to this conversation is living with intimate partner violence. What message do you have for them? I would say number one, it's not your fault. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. Um, that you need to do the best you can to try to get out of the situation. I don't say that lightly because this is not an easy thing to do. That the bottom line is that you need to make a plan to see if you can get out of this situation. Tell someone, tell someone that you think will believe you. Um, try to tell someone that you think will help you. The key to being stuck in these relationships is the victim's belief that they can't find help, that no one can help them. Because when hope is lost, then you just resign yourself to your situation. So I think for anyone in this difficult, difficult situation, you must try to find someone to believe you and to help you. I've been talking with Dr. Tracy Salisbury, Assistant Professor of Interdisciplinary Studies and Ethnic Studies at CSU Bakersfield. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, Kathleen, it's my pleasure. Anytime.